It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Luke Jones, in for Matt Chorley on the Red Box podcast. Thank you very much for downloading. Uh, I'm here to bring you all the fun and exciting news, political and Olympic-shaped without all the boring bits. I'm also here to put the quiz. Um, if you'd like to play, studio at times.radio uh, will get you on if you want to play on the uh, actual radio show that we do as well. Ahead on this podcast, we love local councillors, uh, but we even love even more young local councillors. We're going to hear from three 18-year-olds who this year were elected to a parish council. We'll find out what on earth they're up to in a minute. First, our gold medal-winning columnists of Chit Chat, Libby Purvis and Rachel Cunliffe. Is there anything on the view that you'd think you look at all the Olympic events and think I could have I could have given that a go, Libby. Marathon broadcasting, basically. Marathon yeah. broadcasting. Comment, commentary. Marathon commentary. <laughs> Rachel, what about you? I was going to say something similar, which is n- none of the athletes, but I do think I could probably pick up uh, commentating on a sport that I, I'd never seen before because a lot of it, a lot of it seems quite generic and easy to transpose from one sport to another oh this is a this is a crucial moment for this sport that i've never heard of i, I reckon yeah. i could pick that up <laughs> i thought that i was i was watching a bit of the rhythmic gymnastics last night and matt baker wittering on about it i did think give me 20 minutes and i could have said similar things to what he was saying about he was just sort of reading out scores and saying oh this is the key moment we, we none of us have any any idea anyway um let's get back to covid um Lots of hope around this morning, Libby. Uh, front page of the Times, COVID cases fall of, as jabs turn the tide. Um, are you feeling cautiously apt- optimistic as you, see, um, as you see all these numbers slowly trickle down? Yes, I am, and I have been for a while because the Scottish example is interesting. Once they were out of the football and the schools had broken up, you know, it did, it did sort of fade away. I think the huge events have caused some spikes inevitably, but in a way those spikes may have disguised the fact that people are being quite careful. People everywhere I go, uh, except possibly Latitude down the road, uh, people are being quite cautious and thinking about it and doing tests and keeping away from people they think are vulnerable. And I, I think... Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm pretty hopeful, actually. I, I, I usually am. Are you not out getting muddy and screaming and shouting at Latitude? Certainly not. We can hear bang, bang, bang across the fields if oh, we want no. to. Uh, we've got the bass line, that's all you need. Uh, no, I, I'm not good at festivals. I'm not a festival person. I'm, I'm... <laughs> it was folk festival. I should go to Folk East. That's a grand <laughs> festival. It's like a giant village fete, basically. Um, Rachel, <laughs> what about you in terms of the, the, the COVID numbers? Are you, are, are you hopeful? You're not going to ask me about festivals. Um, my, my sister was actually at Latitude, so so sorry, Libby, that she was contributing. Keeping the purposes <laughs> up. 
exactly. I'm glad they're having a lovely time. I want them to have a lovely time. I just, I just don't want to be forced to put on fairy wings and pretend I like it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm probably with you there. Um, I have, I, I have natural very high levels of anxiety. So every time I'm cautiously optimistic, <laughs> and I even, even if I tweet that I'm cautiously optimistic, I did, as I did on Friday, I got a barrage of people telling me that it was, it was too early, and uh, they weren't coming down enough. And anyway, they always lag at that point. And I, how could I say delusional as to think this was good news? Um, and then the cases continue to fall for the next two days, and I, I kind of. I I know that there is a lot that can still go wrong. I know that we haven't had the case numbers from the the, the major July nineteenth reopening yet, but we 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 do seem to be seeing the result of of, of what transmission looks like when you have two thirds of, of of your adult population fully vaccinated. And I think that's really positive. And I think that if we want to uh, encourage more young people to, to get vaccinated, which is obviously a key priority for the government at the moment, then championing this kind of good news when we have it mm. is really important because it shows do this thing and it can have an effect. But, but that's the point, isn't it, Libby, that we've got at the Times reports this morning, a third of 18 to 29 year olds haven't had their first dose yet and it's been available to them for over well over a month now. I'm afraid I'm starting to back old Macron's tactic of saying, OK, don't get vaccinated, but you can't go anywhere. I think that that might help. I think it's a great, great pity. And I hate the anti-vaxxer demonstrations. Uh, I think trying to persuade people, you know, without forcing them to get vaccinated is just it, it's it's the only way. Um, you know, so what, what can you do? But I, I think Macron may actually be on the right track and the Germans are thinking of it too. Just make your life completely miserable and boring <laughs> unless you get vaccinated. <laughs> Should we adopt that here, Rachel? I, I, uh, what, what, no, not, not, can't, can't come on Times Radio until you've got vaccinated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a QR code scanner at the door. The problem is that all of the psychology in, from previous diseases and things like the MMR vaccine um, and, and other vaccinations shows that if you force people too much, if you put yep. too much pressure on them, they go the other way because they, they panic or they wonder, well, what aren't you telling me? Why am I getting these sort of high pressure sales tactics? And it can have the opposite effect. Whereas for the majority of people, they need time and they need uh, to see all, the, all of their friends have it. And they need kind of gentle encouragement and just keep giving them the information and, and obviously access. And mm. that's what increases rates. So I would hate to see a system where we move to mandatory vaccination and actually alienated more people from the health service which which is is a worry um, i i really do think that showing that there is a direct link between personally getting vaccinated and society opening up a bit more and the, the crisis sort of starting mm. to ease that i think is the it will be the key motivating factor also if we've got all these all, all these jabs that we're not giving out to to, to young people as their first dose at the moment, could we perhaps bring some of the second doses a little bit earlier? I say this as somebody who, who queued for an hour and a half to get her second oh, dose early well on, done. On, on Friday. Where did you queue? Uh, I, I queued at the, the Petwater Centre in Kentish Town, which I don't think is doing them anymore. It was the last day that they were doing them. And the queue was full of people who just really wanted to get double protected and yeah. were happy to, to give up their Friday afternoon to, to queue around the block in Kentish Town to do that. So the demand is there. Um, and, and, and I think that's what we should be focusing on. Look at all these people who want it so much. Maybe you should get yours too. But if if everyone, if you know these policy changes do quickly turn everything around and all these you know third of 18, 29 year olds say, OK, actually, I'm going to go and get my first jab. There's still eight weeks to wait until they've got, well, eight weeks plus until they've got that double jab protection. Um, 
we've all got the effects of the of the unlocking in England and Scotland um, to, to to come. Actually, the situation could, as Vicky Ford was saying this morning, the Minister Libby, you know, things could they can turn, they can go the different way quite quickly. Yes, they could, but but they they might not. And I I think the thing that what was very interesting was what Rachel was saying that at the moment she's even a, a bit optimistic on Twitter. People pile in and say, "Oh no, it's all terrible, it's dreadful." Now I've got sort of Yorkshire relatives. I know how all this works. You know, but it, it, it is fun talking down hope, but I don't think it's useful. Mm. I think we should always always hold on to whatever hope we have and say, yeah, that's a little bit of good news and I shall carry on glancing into a shop to see whether it's crowded, to see whether to put a mask on, to see whether the staff have masks on, to see what is courteous to do. You know, I will be reasonably careful and I think most people are somewhere on that on that track. But I think just being doomy and saying it's all going to be hell again come autumn yeah. is is a really poor idea. Jessica texts us to say, if the government were to bring forward the date after which those who have had both jabs were exempt from isolating, it's possible that this would concentrate the minds of those younger vaccine-hesitant folk who seem to think that the risks of the vaccine are greater than the risks from COVID. 87222, if you want to text us, start your message with the word times. Um, let's talk about the new health secretary, um, Rachel, Sajid Javid. He's had to um, apologise, actually, after there was this uh, enormous stooshy over him using the word uh, to cower from COVID. He tweeted uh, saying that uh, people shouldn't cower from coronavirus, announcing that he himself had uh, had recovered from it, even though he, he was double jabbed and he caught it in the first place. Um, but was it a, a poor choice of words, as he suggested? I think it probably was a poor choice of words uh, because that, that, that word has uh, associations with, 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 with being a, a coward and with a lack of bravery. And I know that the victim groups are, are very upset about this. But I think so much focuses on the word and less focuses on what he was actually trying to say, which is that he caught COVID, but because he'd been double vaccinated, the symptoms were very mild and he's made a full recovery. And I think what he was trying to get across, and I am usually not one to defend m- members of this government when it, when it comes to their boundless optimism um, and some of the ridiculous things they say. But I think the point he was making, which was, isn't it miraculous that thanks to this vaccine and the vaccine rollout, something that was very, very serious and, and, and potentially deadly is now something mild and easy to recover from. And maybe we as a society don't have to be ter- so terrified that we are f- afraid to leave the house because we have this miraculous scientific development that was actually a really positive message and yes it was a poor choice of words and yes the the idea which i don't think he intended at all that um that people who have uh sadly died from the vaccine it's in some way due to a lack of personal bravery that was the accusation obviously that is an unfortunate association to make Mm. but the point is thanks to these vaccines we don't have to be as terrified as we've been for a year and a half i think that's a positive message Libby, was it an offensive thing to say, do you think? No, it was possibly a poor choice of words, but, I mean, anybody who wasn't looking for offence could see perfectly well what he meant, which we have to be sensibly careful and live with the virus because zero COVID is nonsense, as Australia is rapidly finding. No, I think Rachel's bang on. It was an unfortunate word. He he apologised very sharply and graciously and quickly for the word really end of but I think anyone sensible knows what he meant you cannot live constantly in a state of abject terror not now because otherwise nothing will ever get going again Libby tell us oh go on Rachel I would just say very quickly that he apologised. And that is also something that we don't see yeah, from this government away, very often. Yeah. I can't remember the last yeah. time a government minister apologised. Boris Johnson certainly hasn't for all kinds of comments that he's made. So that, that's a change in tone as well.
Libby, tell us about Amy Winehouse. Um, you're writing about um, her, her her story, her legacy in the paper today, and how what you say, uh, Doom Genius is a Byronic myth making. Yes, I think I think it is, and I wanted to take a kick at that, and also to point out that addicts can and do save themselves. And I'd been talking to several people, um, you know, for various other reasons, about Amy and people who knew her well. And the point is, she was extremely strong-willed. She had actually got out of the drugs. She had been clean for three years before she died. She died of alcohol poisoning. She was very, very thin, emaciated, you know, uh, all the rest of it. It's very easy to kill yourself with alcohol that way. But... I think we, we have to be careful how we tell these stories. You know, this is not a sort of a Britney or a Judy Garland victim of exploitation. You know, this was a strong-willed, brilliant musician who might in the end have beaten it. And I was terribly struck by what one of her closest friends, a young man who she'd grown up with from babyhood, you know, total platonic mates, great mates all their lives. And he sort of said, the thing is, you know, he's a teacher now, he works in this kind of area of mental health. He said, uh, you know, she she could have beaten it. She, she very nearly did. You know, he reckons, mm. having spoken to her near the end, that, you know, that one accidental, you know, that binge which resulted in the verdict of accidental death, um, needn't have killed her. And I don't think we should think, we shouldn't sort of zhush up this idea that any kind of young, brilliant genius, you know, like a Luke Jones who sort of shoots to the top of his profession so Excuse quickly me. is automatically doomed at the age of 20-something. Because <laughs> it's not so. Yeah. And it's not so in music and it's not so in art. And you don't have to be on drugs and you don't have to be a wild rock rocker living a wild rock way. Uh, it's a legend which is quite damaging to a lot of young talent. And that was, Rachel, we had on on uh, breakfast this weekend, uh, the friend who she was living with at the time, he, he, he'd known her since she was uh, 12 years old, a sort of similar situation to uh, Michael Collins, who, who Libby mentioned, sort of, you know, lifelong sort of platonic friendship. Um, and he said that was one of the most tragic things about this story, was that actually she, she had beaten the, alcohol, uh, the, the drugs. Um, she was about to beat her alcoholism, but just at that sort of final hurdle, it, it got her. Yeah, and I think it's really sad that something that was actually a very short period of her life now seems to define her when, when we talk about her. I learned a huge amount from Libby's column and it, 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 it's made me want to go back and listen to a lot of the music and, and properly get into Amy Winehouse's music. But I think the point that we have a narrative about what rock stars are like or, or, or artists are like um, and therefore everything that they do feeds into that probably is the case. I think it's interesting that mention of Britney Spears there who's obviously fighting the, 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 the guardianship her father running her affairs and her and her financial affairs even though she's in her late 30s now and that story until very recently hasn't got very much attention i think because we have this idea of britney as as somebody who messed up and had a very public nervous breakdown so of course she can't handle her own affairs and we forget the fact that one it was it it, it was years ago it wasn't inevitable uh, and quite a lot has happened since then but these key moments of crisis seem to define these artists because that those are the narratives Mm. that, that we tell ourselves and it isn't necessarily the case. And in terms of changing those narratives, just finally, Libby, um, we, there was that documentary Reclaiming Amy on, on Channel 4 this week, which um, contained lots of her sort of family and friends, and, and their purpose, they say, was to try and reclaim the, the narrative of Amy to, to change the story. Is that ever possible, do you think, even 10 years later with someone or Amy, Amy has, or are we quite set in our ways? Is the sort of narrative which we all kind of lapped up at the time still burned in our, in our memories? 
I don't, I don't think, I mean, a lot of people didn't lap it up because they didn't really even notice it much. You must remember that not everybody was, was a, an Amy mu music fan. In fact, yeah. her best friend wasn't, you know, they didn't really like it. But I think, I think the, the legend in general can be challenged. And also, I like the way that everybody in her family was very, very anxious not to blame anybody. Say, look, we all make mistakes of one kind or another in all our lives, you know. But no, that's not what happened. She was strong-willed. She was herself. And to me, what that film did, it reclaimed her as an agent, as somebody who really had yes. agency and power over her own life and was not some kind of poor, wilted, sort of broken sparrow, which is a legend which grows around people like that. And I think that, you know, girls are tougher. Also, the other thing is young girls should not be have it constantly hammered into them how incredibly fragile they are and how their mental health is at terrible risk from social media and so on. You know, I think we sometimes have to say actually girls are stronger than what you think they are. That was Libby Purvis and Rachel Cunliffe. Up next, super young parish councillors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, time for some young parish councillors. Three super young councillors. Um, we have got uh, Freya, Connor, and Jess. They are all eighteen years old. They're all councillors elected this year. Uh, we we're just hearing about uh, the many, many leaflets you had to uh, distribute in the in the hope of getting elected. Thank you so much for your time, all three of you. Um, I'd like to start first of all with uh, your life before your before you got your calling. Um, Freya, what were you, what were you doing with yourself before you decided to start doing this? Well, I was just, obviously I was at school studying for my A-levels. Yes. Um, and the other thing I was doing was a lot of volunteering within my village, um, particularly within the village scout group in the Beavers and Cubs, so the younger years. And uh, Connor, what about you? I was just involved in a lot of local community groups, trusts and organisations, just sort of getting my name out there. and It's sort of been a journey over five years for me personally. Getting your name out there, how do you mean? Just getting involved in local community groups, meeting people, influential people, councillors of county, district and town councillors, really. So five years ago, I'm dreadful at maths. You're 18 now. So that was when you were 13. You were thinking, I need to get my name out there. Yeah, I was meeting. I, I met a really influential former Bexhill town mayor and who actually eventually became a friend. And if, if it wasn't for him, then I don't think I would actually be here speaking to you today, really, because he taught me some of the key things about being a councillor that have encouraged me to stand in, in the last election. Gosh, so even then you thought, this is what I want? Definitely. Why not? And Jess, what about you? Was it that early? No. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously I've just finished my A-levels as well, but 
I've always had an interest in politics, maybe not from the age of 13, knowing, knowing what I want to do. But yeah, it's always interested me. So I'm glad I can finally do it. And what kind of thing were you doing? So, so way before you'd even thought of maybe, you know, standing for elected office, um, what were you up to? <laughs> A-levels uh, aside, I mean, that's busy. That's busy stuff anyway. Yeah, well, I did also a lot of volunteering as well. Um, so um, a lot of clubs and things that you do at school, really. Just the normal things you do as a teenager. <laughs> and was that out of boredom or was that out of, I would like to do some kind of public service in the future and this would set me up well for it? Yeah, definitely that. Because I feel like you do have to start quite young if you want to get into this sort of thing. So. And was anybody coaching you, pointing you in the right direction like they were with Connor? Uh, no, not really. Um, the, obviously, there were some good people that I've met along the way, and they've all been very helpful. Mm. Um, yeah, teachers are a big part of that, I'd say, at school. They're very good with that sort of thing. And Freya, what about you? When when did it sort of become to a point where you thought, actually, this is this is in the service of something in terms of I'd like to kind of do this as, as uh, you know, I'd like to be a parish council or councillor at some point, so this is why I should do this? Well, for me, it was um, around, it was 2019, I was able to go um, on the World Scout Jamboree. And as part of the closing ceremony, they had um, Ban Ki-moon speaking. Ban Ki-moon? Yeah, yeah. So he was really inspiring about... That's not bad um, for a Scout Jamboree. Ban Ki-moon, so that's <laughs> a really decent booking. Former yeah, um, I know. Well, UN Secretary um, General. Yes, yeah. So he was really inspiring about um, everybody needs to get out, be part of their community, not wait for others to lead. Um, and it really, really hit home with me. So when I when I then got back home off that, I started looking at ways that I could get involved. So you got home um, and you said, Mum, Banky Moon said, this is what I need to do. Yes, exactly. Wow. So um, I started attending the council meetings just as a member of public. Um, and it was there that they were, everyone was really encouraging and it, yeah, sort of led from there. So I want to know about how you all went from thinking, OK, this is what I, I, I'd be keen to do. I'm going to start doing some volunteering and some bits and bobs, which will, which will um, A, be a good thing to do, but also will set me up well for uh, maybe running for elected office. How did you actually go about um, finding a place where you can stand and doing all the kind of nuts and bolts of, of actually getting involved in an, in an election? Connor, when did you start actually looking into that side of things? It probably would have been two or three years ago now, really. Um, I, I represent St Mark's in Bexhill, and mm. it's a really, really great place. And I've lived, I lived there for 14 years, so I know every, I was educated there, so I know everything about it. And that was the key place that I was intending to stand in May. And thankfully, I ended up getting elected. And, and how, how hard was it, first of all, to get involved in, and get your name on the ballot paper and all of that? Did you have to do lots of wheeling and dealing? Um, I stood on a platform called Bexel Independence. So there was a few of us that all helped each other with the paperwork, with the social media and things like that. So it was, it was sort of like a group effort, really. Um, so we all, you know, if someone was weaker on one thing and somebody was stronger, we would help that person. So we were all chipped in mm. when needed. And Jess, what about you actually getting on a ballot paper, finding a place where you could put your name on a, on a ballot paper? How did that start? Uh, probably at the beginning of this year I think for me I didn't realize how it was quite it was actually quite easy to like get started it was when the election process began that it got a bit more like difficult but for difficult me, in what that, way 
it was it was hard work I did a lot of leafleting um and just the whole process it was quite stressful to be honest and like mm. like even because as an 18 year old like this was my first time even voting never mind actually being in the election <laughs> so like hang on are you saying the first scared. person you voted for was yourself no <laughs> well, I couldn't vote for myself but oh, okay. oh, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah potentially yeah so it was, it was quite nerve-wracking but I think it, it obviously went quite well <laughs> I hope it did yeah. but um yeah it was uh, stressful. And you say it was stressful. So how were you at the, at the same time you were still juggling what like geography coursework and revision? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well at the time obviously we didn't the exact A level exams weren't quite what they would normally be. Oh, but course, I was yeah. doing I was doing the the evidence collecting for my grades and it was all quite stressful. But yeah, we did we I managed to do it all, so it's fine. <laughs> Freya, what about you? When did it get to the point where you thought, okay, I'm going to find a place where I can stand for some kind of kind of elected office? Well, I'd been thinking of standing for quite a while, sort of pretty much since I'd started going to the meetings, I thought that this was something I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and obviously the elections were supposed to be last year. So I didn't think originally that I was going to be able to stand. Ah. Um, and then obviously this year... I was able to and I turned 18 the day before the papers were supposed to be in oh well done yeah so it was quite that was quite stressful making sure everything was all sorted and I made it to the the council offices just in time and at at the same time like Jess and I assume Connor as well you were up to your eyes in um well well, as Jess said not necessarily revising for exams but all the evidence collection for your A-levels and the like yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like Jess, I also did I also did a leaflet job. I was really lucky because um, I was able to have help from a couple of the other councillors that were also standing mm. um, and some that were standing down that helped me with my leaflet drops. Um, but yeah, that was that was really quite a challenging time. <laughs> Tell me about these leaflets, all of you. Connor, did you do leaflets as well? What was your slogan? I didn't really have a slogan, but I must have delivered about three and a half thousand of them um, over a three or four week period. And I was uh, really cutting it fine to get them out in time. Did you have like a photograph on them with you with your arms folded looking like you meant business? No, I just uh, ran across to the roundabout and took a picture in the middle of the roundabout. Really, (laughs) Jess, what about you? What was on yours? Yours? It was just like the normal manifesto sort of thing, but... It was just a leaflet, really, but I also delivered loads of them. God, there were so many. <laughs> but did you have your face on it? Was it with you shaking yeah, hands with local yeah. dignitaries? Yeah. No, it was just You with Banky face. Moon? To be honest, though, I just used my school picture. <laughs> I didn't know, because I'm, I'm very new to it. I, was, I didn't know what to put on it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, it was me alongside some of the other councillors that were hoping yeah. to be elected in the ward. So. And Freya, what about you? I just had I had a picture of I did have a picture of me on it um, and my mind pretty much just focused on telling people that I was a young person that could bring a fresh perspective to the council. Nice. Um, I didn't have to deliver as many as Connor did. I only had to deliver about 700. But still, that's Lucky. that's a few days work. <laughs> Tell me about actually getting elected, all of you. Um, Connor, what was the moment like when your name was read out and there was an enormous number of votes uh, after it. It was quite surreal, actually. I couldn't, to be honest with you, believe it. I didn't think an 18-year-old would get elected, especially in Bexhill, because we haven't had a council of this level since 1974. So it's a brand new council, brand new faces. 
Uh, and it was quite surreal to be, well, the youngest councillor ever for Bexhill Town Council. So it was a really unreal moment. Did you punch the air and shout something uncouth? Might have done, might, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, what about you? Tell us about the moment. Uh, I was, I was in shock, to be honest. It was very, it was a lot to deal with in the moment because I Mm. really didn't, I wasn't expected to be like elected at all. Like, especially like the first time round, like running, I I wouldn't, I didn't expect it at all. So I was like very shocked. Were there lots of um, crusty old hopefuls looking at you quite angry? Um, well, they, they were all, they were okay. They were <laughs> yeah. And Freya, yourself, obviously all of this happened in COVID secure ways. So did you, did you have sort of parents and friends with you when they read out your name? Yeah, so I was actually at home. So I went and the village clerk sent out the, um, the council clerk sent out the results. And so I had a look online for the results. And the biggest thing for me was finding out just how many votes I'd got. Mm. I'd managed to come third in the election out of 12. And it absolutely blew me away. Well done. And I I wonder why, um, but why you think you all or one but what was it that you were sort of saying you were going to do what kind of platform were you standing on which you think actually resonated with the people in your area connor is there one thing in particular that you think i was saying this and and that's why people liked what i had to offer i think it was really that fresh face fresh voice fresh perspective um it's that's someone, a slogan you, know... you said you didn't have a slogan on your leaf. you should have put that <laughs> that's a good one actually i'll have yeah, to use it in two it years time um, I think it was because they haven't seen my name, they haven't seen my face on the ballot papers before, so it was something new. And like I say, it's just fresh, fresh, fresh. Yeah. Um, and Jess, what about you? Yeah, same for me, really. Um, I think it's nice to see different people running, to be honest, because it's very easy for there just to be the same sort of group of people. Um, and I think people like there was something different, new. Um, and yeah something that they could put their faith into but Freya come on I'm gonna have to politician style I'm gonna have to nail you down to something um Freya what about you was there what were you sort of saying that you do that people thought that sounds that sounds great to be honest I do think it's similar to both Connor and Jess it really is just the fact that where I live is quite a small community so it is very often the same people that you see getting involved and doing the same thing Mm. Um, and people wanted someone representing them on their council that was going to provide a different voice that represented a different part of the village. Yeah. And for yourself, what is it that you wanted to do that, that meant that you actually stood for this position? Was there something actually in your area that you wanted to, to, to solve or help with? I really think that getting young people's voices across is the most important thing because in a village like mine, they can very often be left behind and forgotten about because the population is definitely the older end of the age spectrum. Mm. So I found that even just by attending meetings and, and being there and um, as sort of jogged everybody's memory that young people do exist and that <laughs> we are an important part of our community yeah, but what kind of policy area, what kind of thing that the council does were you sort of particularly most keen to get involved with, Freya? Um, 
Well, we wanted to make change sort of, there's a lot of environmental changes going on at the moment. So mm. we've had some um, things about solar farms and also um, housing, keeping the number of housing and housing developments down within the village. Yeah. And um, Jess, what, what about you? Is there is there something which you're particularly keen that you wanted to actually achieve or, or do or, or get involved with now you're in the job? Um. Yeah, well, kind of like Freya, to be honest, I want to go into schools and talk directly with young people about the importance of getting involved in this sort of thing. And even just voting makes a huge difference, mm. um, as well as also housing is a big one for us as well. So. Housing? housing. <laughs> yeah. Why? Well, everyone needs a house. Yeah, but I mean, um, is, is a particular it's... problem for, for young people, young working people actually trying to get housing in the area? Uh, yeah, well, that's an issue everywhere, really, isn't it? But, um, yeah, you've got to manage the uh, amount of houses coming in, but you don't want too many in a certain place. You know, <laughs> it's all very, quite complicated. So, Connor, what about yourself? So in terms of things that you actually wanted to achieve in, in the job, um, what were you thinking about? Um, well, during the campaign, it was really, I was getting a lot of people want more leisure facilities in my area. Because my the area I represent it's a really mixed bunch of bunch of people, um, and there's a lot of families with new housing developments happening. There's a lot of families and young children coming in, and it's just about are the parks up to scratch? You know, is the beach friendly? Things like this. It's a lot of leisure facilities, but like Jess and Freya, we've got a lot. Of, we've got a big problem with housing developments happening in small areas where where the infrastructure is not actually there, not available. So it's about okay, well they're coming. We need to make sure the parks are up to scratch for the families and the children. Is there enough school places, doctors places? So it's just about thinking of the wider spectrum rather than, right, we're not having yeah. them. OK, they're coming. What what can we do? And how have you found the job, Connor? Now you're actually starting to do it. And I imagine people are, are getting in touch with you, constituents, people who, who live in, in Bexhill. Um, is it what you expected? Yes, is the short answer definitely why what I expected it's um it's nice to be able to work across with different authorities my district counterparts my county council counterparts you know as Bexhill Town Council we're new we don't know exactly what we're going to be in charge of and what we're not so it's nice to confide in my district councillors and my county councillors okay you Mm. can do this you can't do this and it's nice to be able to work across across the spectrum and yourself Jess did you did you sense any any wariness when you started the job from from colleagues thinking who is this child <laughs> well I think everyone noticed that I'm very young I think I'm I don't look very old either so that doesn't really help me mm. um but they've all been very supportive and helpful so it's it's going well so far yeah and Freya what about you as expected did you sense any um any tension when people saw this this uh, very young new councillor sort of wading into their patch no for me everyone was really encouraging and um, they really wanted um new voices to come in um it's been better than i could have imagined and i wonder what all of your goals are um how long do you think you're going to stick at doing this? What's next and what the what the end point is, Freya? Have you thought about that? Is there something in the far distant, distant future that you're thinking about that'll be me? Um, not really. I'm taking it as it comes. Obviously, my um, term is four years. So just sort of seeing it as it goes, really. I would 
years and years ago, someone asked me this, sort of a boss type person. I thought it was the best question, which was not, oh, what's your dream job? But what is your absolutely wildest dreams, the best it's ever going to go? Don't hold back. What is the, the thing which would blow your mind to end up doing? Freya, what do you think it would, what do you think it would be? And would it be in politics? I think it would probably be working with other parish councils. So there's um, a community working sort of within local politics and particularly in small rural communities. Westminster? Um, possibly. <laughs> Connor? Well, if we're not holding back, I'd like to be prime minister. And I've said that for the last five years to everybody. Yeah. Um, if we're talking realistic, member of parliament. And Jess, what about you? Same as Connor, really. I guess we might be fighting for the job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can come and uh, argue the toss about it on um, on Times Radio when you're actually when you're actually in that position. Um, just finally, with you all, I'd like to actually sort of um, have a bit of a bit of a policy discussion if we're talking to maybe three future um, MPs or, or prime ministers. You'll have seen the news this morning about um, well, the reporting this morning about how we get uh, young people to actually get the vaccine uh, to to ease with our exit from the pandemic. One idea apparently being floated by the Prime Minister is to require um, students to be double jabbed if they want to get in their halls of residence or go to their, to their lecture theatres. I wonder what you think about that and also the suggestions of, you know, needing to be double jabbed to get into Premier League football games and need to be double jabbed in the autumn to get into nightclubs. Um, Freya, is this the kind of thing that you could get behind? Um, absolutely. I think it's absolutely vital that everybody has both jabs. I mean, I've had my first dose. I'm waiting for to have my second. Um, and I think I think that's a really important thing to do. Connor? Like Freya, you know, I've had my first vaccination and I, I would implore on everybody to get their vaccination and I would get right behind the Prime Minister. Everybody likes enjoying themselves, whether it be in a pub, a nightclub, football game. And if that if that is how the medical advice and the prime minister think that's the best way to get to encourage people to get a vaccine, then go for it. But Jess, could, could this not go too far and actually just turn people even more against uh, the vaccines? If the idea of it's being forcibly pushed on them and, you know, reasonable aspects of life are being cut off from them if they don't actually um, comply. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a hard one because you don't want to take anyone's individual choice away. But at the end of the day, the vaccinations are there to help and protect us. So I think it's really important that we do make sure that everyone is getting them <laughs> as much as possible. So, But what about actually it is quite a, it's a big thing to try and turn around. As I mentioned earlier, it's a third of 18 to 20, what, 29, 18 to 29 year olds who haven't even got their first dose yet. Fred, does that does that surprise you or is that, you know, speaking to other, you know friends of yours, does that sound about right? No, that is a surprise to me, actually, because everybody sort of in, in my community um, and uh, people around me are all really four and have all had their first dose. Um, so that is a shock to me, actually. And Connor, what about you? Is that, is that a surprise? It, it, it is, actually. Um, all of my family and all of my friends that are 18, 19 have been vaccinated or in, and are in favour of having the vaccine. Good to talk to you all. Good to get your view on that uh, on that story, which we're talking about a bit today. Um, that is Freya Davey, Connor Winter and uh, Jess Mickey, all of them uh, very, very young councillors, all of them 18 years old. Um, as I mentioned at the top of this, we're always talking about councils and local councillors and Jackie Weaver and all of that. Um, but here are three people who are actually elected to the job 
at such a young age when uh, when battling all the uh, A levels. Uh, for um, Farago. Some super young parish councillors. That is it from us. Uh, do subscribe if you want to get this podcast uh, up your phone or whatever, whenever there's a new one. And you can listen live if you want on the actual Times Radio. Uh, Matt's show, which I'm covering this week, is on 10 till 1. You can get that on a DAB radio on the snazzy Times Radio app. Speak to you tomorrow.